0: Welcome to You're the Boss, a mantra for anyone who's ever had to face their own fears, struggles, and even failures. Join host Larry Roberts for a deep dive into overcoming limiting beliefs and identifying where our pasts can shape us rather than define us to build a lifestyle and business filled with passion and purposeful leadership. Now your host, Larry Roberts.
1: What is happening everybody, with us today is Scott Novis. He's the founder of Bravus, a company that is helping businesses increase retention by facilitating highly dynamic live and virtual video game events for employees. After spending decades in the video game industry, even working with Disney for a time, Scott is an expert on all things gaming and the best way to harness their power for good.
0: Scott, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me here. And I I just love your mission. I love what you're doing and the way you're doing it. It's just awesome. So thanks for having me on the show.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. This is this is getting off to a great start. I love episodes that start off this way. So this is tremendous. <laughs> no, we've already had a lot of fun in the green room prior to hitting the record button. So we're going to try to recapture some of that greatness <laughs> during the conversation, but you know you're bringing to the forefront a conversation about something that as much as you know i'm, I'm going to be 50 this year and maybe i shouldn't admit this but i still at 50 have a passion for video games
0: oh well welcome to the club um i'm 55 <laughs> and so you know there's a lot of good gaming ahead of you it's not over by a long shot
1: well that's that's scary because you know as i had shared know back in 2000 probably late 2004 maybe maybe it was early 2005 it was shortly after world of warcraft launched onto the Uh. scene that my entire world literally my entire world was changed so gaming has had a significant impact on me uh, over the years
0: well, you know, it's, it, I love to hear those stories because, you know, we, I was lucky enough to be involved in industry. we made games. And what I told people that they don't really realize, gaming is the one entertainment form that's storytelling in the second person, right? You have, I did it first person, she did it third person, but you did it. So we have to do things. We're creating an experience for you to have. You're actually the action hero. And when I talk to entrepreneurs, one of the things I remind them is like, you're actually the action hero of your own video game. Because what do you do in a video game, right? You face hard problems, you develop skills, and you persist until you win. But here's the kicker, what's your reward for that? You get a hard problem to solve, <laughs> right? Yeah. The business grows, now you got more people to train. You know, suddenly customers want more. Oh my gosh, what are we gonna do with that? It's every time you level up, you get a bigger challenge and that progress curve is baked into video games. And I think it's baked into entrepreneurship and in what we do.
1: You know, I think it's interesting because, you know, and i already mentioned, wow, or for those of you not in the know, wow is short for world of Warcraft. It was interesting because it transcended just being in a video game arena To because I played for those of you that don't know multi uh, world of Warcraft is a multiplayer uh, online role-playing game or an MMORPG. If, or, if you really want to get into the speak, So me and a lot of friends would play this game together. People that I worked with, people in my department, I worked in the IT department for this company. And everybody in the IT department essentially played WoW. And we were all in what you call a guild or a group. And so we would all play together every night. So we would work together, then we'd go home, couldn't wait to jump on. And we'd we'd run dungeons and, and kill dragons and run on quests and all kinds of stuff. Now, this ended up causing some problems in the office space as well because, well, we got obsessed with it. Often nights we would stay up literally all night. Then we'd come back into the office the next day. All of us just <laughs> all wiped out
0: from having well, this I've never done that. more session. than yeah, Exactly. Two or three dozen times. <laughs>
1: there might be some disagreements in the game that transcended into IRL or in real life. And management and even the vice president of the IT department, ended up putting a kibosh on it. He's like, this is ridiculous. I can't have this in my department, so stop the nonsense. However, shortly after that, my daughter's in college, right? This was probably eight years ago or so. She takes a class, and the entire class, the whole semester, is playing WoW. And that, wow. that
0: blew his I mind. Mean, pun intended. Yeah. 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 I, you know, it's interesting when you talk about that because the thing about games, and I was telling you this story where I ended up, when I played, and I came into it from a different point of view. I was in the video game industry at the time, and we were making games for the then PlayStation 2, which was the the new hotness. Yeah. And um, while, you know, Blizzard had dumped $125 million on that game at a time when a typical video game cost $3 million to make. We're like, $125 million, what do you get? And uh, the answer is a lot. And as a friend of mine said, hey, it, would you put $125 million? million in to get a billion back every year every time they let you, right? Yeah, yeah, Um, But, you know, I ended up playing with a guy that was the cartoonist behind Foxtrot. I didn't know that. We just start talking, and all of a sudden it comes up, and he finally admits, yeah, I do this. And then I found out his other favorite game was one of the games that my studio had made, ATV Offroad Fury. We're like, no way! And it was that weird connection of, like, we're doing things in the game together. We're making real memories because we're playing together, and The things I loved about early, wow, it was really engineered to push people together to socialize. Do you remember that in early days where you'd have to, if you ran across the world, you saw somebody needed help, you could jump in and help them. It was like everything was designed to funnel people in a way to create connection. And that, that mindset is part of why I do what I do today. Because... We have been trying to get people to form friends together online for decades. Sure. And we were talking about this in the warm up that for all of you entrepreneurs out there, Gen Z is coming at you hot and fast. They don't see a difference. They don't use IRL, right? They make friends online, in person. It's the same to them, it's transparent. So becoming literate about what types of experiences people have together online shape how they feel about each other, how they feel connected, how they relate to each other. It's going to be one of the essential management skills of this generation.
1: Yeah, and and that's one of the reasons that the course was what my daughter took. She didn't take it because I played wow and she wanted to be like dad. I, I didn't even know she was taking it, but it was and and, and she's in physical therapy. I mean, she's a she's in sports medicine. So, this was wow. all about yeah, this was all about leadership and team building. That was why they were playing the game. So, That's phenomenal. Yeah, it was amazing to have that. But then when I talked to Ray, the, the VP of the, the company that I worked for, he's like, that is ridiculous. That's nonsense. I would not have it. Uh, I'd get her out of college right now. That's a stupid school. And I'm like, literally, it's one of the best schools in Texas, so it's cool. But, but, but uh, he, he just could not comprehend the skills that she was learning by playing this game for a semester and how they translate to real-world interactivity.
0: Oh, you could, I I used to say that I would love to run a diversity class with WoW because I'll make all of you um, healers, go, right? I'll make all of you magicians, go. You walk into a dungeon with four people that look all look exactly like each other, that's going to be a real short trip and it's not going to be a lot of fun. And that diversity of getting people in the right role where they back each other up and they begin to understand the power of somebody that really wants to be the tank, the person that really wants to do damage to them, the person that wants to be the healer, like getting the right people in the right roles is really powerful. And a game can make that transparent in a way that is often invisible to us in the work environment. Yeah,
1: and, and we're seeing more and more, I mean, well, we can't have a conversation these days without talking about the environment around us over the last couple of years with most of us being sequestered, uh, working from home, uh, finding ourselves in new environments. And we find that our interactions uh, are highly uh, conducted on online. So we're already in, you and I are having this conversation. Sure. We're having it in real time, but it's still virtual. I mean, we're, we're looking at each other on a screen and I mean, truth be told, I'm looking at my camera. I'm not even looking at you on the screen. I can see you in my peripheral, but I'm not looking at you. I'm looking at my camera. So we have to learn to adapt to these skill sets and be able to translate our ability to communicate in a real world environment to an online environment and vice versa.
0: Well, that's really important. And that's part of the reason I'm doing what I'm doing because what's happening for a lot of companies like physical office space was engineered to create social interaction. Think of the break rooms, the lunch room. go back to your IT department, hallways. You know, open cubes weren't a lot of fun but you could hear conversations, you could drop in. So there were a lot of things that happened that created what are called unstructured conversations. Mm-hmm. And that's where real friendship and connection grows from. When, and this happened in my company. So I lived through this, like we got hit hard, shut down, no warning, everybody go home. We never went back. We got rid of our office and we thought we were killing it until we realized all we were doing was task work together. That was it. And I was literally turning my entire staff of people into Fiverr and Upwork employees. There's no reason to stay. This one of my best employees resigned. He goes, well, none of this has anything to do with me. I'm like, oh my God, people aren't loyal to companies. Mm -mm. They're loyal to the people they work with. And if all we do is this, task work, Zoom call, get off it, we never actually remember to connect and care about each other, what are they calling it now? The great resign?
1: Yeah, the great
0: resignation, yeah. One takeaway for your audience, if you do nothing else from this call, man, form a fund committee, especially if you have remote workers. If you have people that you've sent home and you're now working remote and you're figuring it out, is we pulled together a group of people – and and you get three things out of this. Number one, the people that most need social connection are gonna volunteer for the fund committee. So it's not gonna cost you anything. So you're gonna take care of the people that are most vulnerable because now they're gonna have support and time to come together and figure out how to help the rest of you connect. And the second thing is they're gonna give people something to look forward to and the ancillary benefits of having people caring about how we're binding and connecting. Well, here's how it played out for me a big company went after my marketing manager and he ended up staying with us because he said, I can't imagine building a team like this anywhere else. And that was a direct result of all the work we had put in to make sure that we're not only getting it done, you know, we I mean, we're EOS shops, so we're always working on process and how to improve, but we also put on there, do we know about each other? Do we care about each other? Are we connected to each other? And, you know, a huge part of that is play. And that's the piece that, I get why so many business struggle with this, because for so many businesses, they've they've reduced their relationships down to only competition. They only compete yeah. with each other. Yeah, 100%. And how, so here's the problem, right? You can't make a mistake. Nope. Like I've surveyed countless audiences whenever we do, a, a with this awesome workshop we call Culture Kitchen. It's about teaching people, re-teaching people how to work together. Because so few young employees have ever been on a team. Yeah. I mean, really have ever had any teamwork at all. I'm sorry, like the group projects in school are not teamwork, right? They're not in sports anymore. Like by 11 years old, like 80% of kids are out of sports now. So we do this workshop where they play a cooperative game and they have to work together and we always survey them and they're like, is your work meaningful? Yeah, does it have purpose? Yeah, can you make a mistake? Oh, no. Why? You do creativity. Right? You do creativity, man. Mistakes are part and parcel like that. Where you need to grow is right at the edge of your ability. Right at the scary edge of uncertainty is where our biggest opportunities lie. That's why we have anxiety and not only fear. Fear is simple. There's the spider, oh God, kill it. Anxiety is promise and threat. And that's, it's adaptive. So what does it do? It heightens all of our emotions and all of our awareness to go pay attention. Yeah, And so we want to step into that space and find out what's good, what's bad, separate the two, minimize the bad, maximize the good. But we don't do that anymore. We just sit and wallow in it going, oh, I'm so anxious all the time. Yeah, And play lets us get over that. Play lets us practice those emotions. Play lets us put down, uh, what did Amy Edmondson call it? Impression management. Like the, the my suit of my professional armor. I know what I'm doing. I'm a professional. And go, I'm just a human being and holy crap, I got to figure it out. And I need your help to figure it out. And it creates that safe space for us to reconnect because you know connection flows along lines of vulnerability. I can't be vulnerable. We can't connect. We can't connect. Hello, turnover.
1: Yeah, a thousand percent. And I got to connect you with Jeff Harry. Jeff, he's a play specialist, for, a corporate play specialist. He's an amazing guy. He's been a guest awesome. on the podcast. And you guys need to connect because I think there's some synergies there that would be beneficial for both of you. But you make so many valid points in- that you know, you talked about the open conversations that happen through open cubicles and the relationships that are established, and how corporate now is is transitioned into transactional uh, accounts and right. people. The relationships are what keep you there. And I tell you what, I mean, right now, hand on a Bible, whatever your religious preference is. <laughs> okay, I'm okay. One, no, of I identify biggest, a Christian. one of my biggest reasons for uh, now, I love content creation. I love what I'm doing, and I love the creative process that I can do today. But one of the things that accelerated my exit from corporate after 21 years with the same company was the fact that everything devolved into being transactional. There Mm -hmm. was, new management came in. We weren't allowed to have relationships, even just friendships. You weren't allowed to talk. If you got caught talking, it's like you got demerits. It was like we were uh, in Hogan's Heroes or something. The commandant was coming down and he was giving us demerits every time we would talk. And you're in an open cube environment. Guess what? Conversations are going to happen in an open cube environment. We used to feel like a family at this company and it devolved to where you weren't allowed to, and you weren't allowed to make mistakes. Holy shit, man. And I thought about it just this week because I run a podcasting industry newsletter, goes out to about 50,000 people. And I send it out twice a week. I have a new list that's been added to the distribution list. And I wanted to test this list to see what the open rates were for this one brand new list. And I split out one of this week's episodes or issues of the newsletter. And I set it up to run regularly with the main list and this new list by itself. Well, instead of scheduling the new list to go out this Tuesday, which would have been this morning, I goofed. And I sent it out Sunday. Thankfully, the newsletter was complete. (laughs) At least it was a finished product. But it went out two days ahead of schedule. And I instantly just went into kind of a panic mode because I'm still traumatized. Because if I'd have made that kind of mistake while I was still in my corporate position, even though I'd been there 21 years, even though I was an established member of this community, I would have been in a world of shit. Oh, yeah. But at at, at this time, I was able to just acknowledge the fact, oh, that was stupid mistake. Be more careful. Pay attention Ah. to what you're doing, dummy, you know, blah, blah, blah. But the fear wasn't there. The impending doom wasn't there. 'Cause yep. there wasn't real damage done. I just, you know, I, set my test off I, by a couple of weeks or a couple of I've days. I've seen early.
0: people I've seen people lose their job for less. Um when exactly. I was in corporate and other places. Exactly. And you know, for and I think one of the things, you know, being an entrepreneur, you're a one, I'm one. Um definitely that opportunity to set culture. And especially what you do, helping people set up in their podcast and getting their voice out there, it I can't imagine my business being reduced to transactional only. but the the pressure, so here's the part that's counterintuitive. It's not just the boss, right? It's our peers and coworkers. We need permission from the people at our level that we work with to play. the way I, the model I've been giving people is that, if you look at like, think of a bicycle tire. So you're the boss, you're the hub, you're the one in the middle and your influence spreads out like the spokes, the rays. If you don't have a rim on that, you don't have a tire to connect all those spokes, that is not a functional um, wheel. And a lot of what is going around today in terms of leadership training and development and everything and there's a lot of great content gives you really strong spokes. It does a great job at spoking but there's very little content on the wheels. We have to help the people on the team connect with each other. We have to help the employee conversations happen naturally and organically. And so one of the advantages of playing together and why I'm a fan of video games is that we can synchronize the team. Because like what you had in WoW, like the experience you are telling me about with your wife, you shared that experience together and now you have a story. Stories form our identity. And it's like, when we play together, we can form a group identity that we all share. That's a basis for culture. And it gets us lined up, it gets us moving in the same direction. And then those unstructured conversations where friendship flows can happen. Those don't happen in transactional environments. And I gotta tell you, it blows my mind when companies work against that. It's just like, are you are you trying? Like is the goal is <laughs> like intentionally disengage everybody? And in this labor shortage, that just seems like, look, you're here to be employees for somebody else. And we're going to help that along. Right. Yeah. That's crazy. Trying to shut down creating relationships among people. And it's my world view. There might be people that see it very differently. Clearly, that company did. But, oh, you know, we're not
1: alone. Uh, there's a ton of them out there that do that. And I think we're seeing we're seeing these types of companies struggle because they can't find quality employees. And it's been exacerbated by everybody realizing that, oh, I don't have to put up with this shit. I can actually go out and I can be appreciated. I can actually work from the comfort of my own home or my own remote office, whatever you want to call it. And, and, and I can express myself openly. I, I don't have to subject myself to this. And these companies that aren't realizing that, they're the ones that are struggling right now.
0: You know, Ray Dalio had a a great quote that I I really have tried to adopt. So I paraphrase it up to do meaningful work with people I care about. Yeah. You know, and that to me is it gets me up in the morning every day. It's like, man, we're making a difference together. And that's why it was so painful when, you know, we suddenly we started seeing turnover. Like what's happening? What's going on? Was this. We had become transactional unintentionally, thinking we were killing it, thinking we, we've we got this virtual down pat. We've got all the technology. We're smart. We know how to do this. We know games and we weren't making time for each other. And yeah. reversing that was a really it was important. And I think it made a big difference for us. And ultimately, what I want to be able to do is help your listeners that are looking for a way because they may not know gaming. They may not know technology. right? Uh, or they might know it, but they're like, oh, I hadn't thought of it that way and there's some simple things they can do like i said forming the fund committee that's a big one um you know uh, it's the checking in on people that's another huge one right is intentionally making the time i like i like that process in EOS where at the beginning of every meeting we all check in on each other but even that tends to be focused on the dopamine driven what are your big wins we 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 switch it up or like Hey, what's happening for you? What's going on in your life? Are you okay? Is everything all right over where you're at? What are you looking forward to? Like, we really wanna know who we're connected with. And, you know, we're big fans of what we do is we play together. Um, We'll have a fun Friday and we bust out the games. We're lucky, we all have game systems so we can play some awesome stuff together. And we bring in professional commentators. So we rotate who's the commentary host. (laughs) So you remember, if you ever played Little League, right? Yeah. And the one day of the year where they would bring out the speakers and adult would say, no, coming up to play, Larry Roberts. And you're like, yeah, I'm in the pros, right? Yeah. It is, it creates recognition and connection when you hear a professional call you out for doing something interesting in a video game that everybody else is doing because you know they can all, all appreciate what it is you're achieving because they're all doing it too. Right. So when we jump in games together, that kind of meta recognition also creates feelings of worth, feelings of being valued, feelings of, yeah, I belong here. Like one of my favorite quotes is it's not enough to belong. We have to do things together to give belonging meaning. And so a lot of jobs now have become so, so much automation, so much help that we run in these little vertical silos. We as owners have to be intentional about creating those times to come together and do things together to give our belonging to the company meaning. So where do you see
1: all this going? You know, I I had kind of dropped this on you. (laughs) I had kind of dropped this on you a little bit in, in the green room, as I mentioned before. You know, I just jumped into the uh, meta- meta- Metaverse. Is that what we're going to call it? I don't know. I bought a Rift or an Oculus. It's not even a Rift anymore. It's just, I guess it's the Oculus 2. Yeah. And I, I bought one because I see some people that are leaning towards productivity in the Metaverse, in, in the Oculus. I mean, oh. there's, uh, we, we've, got some, we've got a big podcasting conference coming up in May, and we've got some, one of the presenters he's going to be presenting in the Metaverse. So his, oh, fantastic. his podcast That's awesome. presentation is gonna be there. So I'm like, okay, I gotta, I gotta get on board. I gotta be a part of this, right? I gotta know what's going on. And then surprisingly enough, I put this Oculus on and I I turn it on and I go through the little walkthrough. I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. This is 3D. This, I'm dancing with a robot, this is pretty kick ass. Oh, look, I can throw this paper airplane. That's cool. Look, everything's cool. Then I bought a game and I bought this Jurassic World aftermath. And I start going through looking for dinosaurs and whatnot. And I realized that while i'm stationary there's 3d movement going on in this headset and my body's like wtf bro because it's detecting movement three-dimensional movement yet we're stationary so i you know full disclosure got a little motion sickness got a little headache got a little nausea and so i'm like man is this what this is all about this freaking sucks so I posted on Facebook and I put a cute little picture of me, you know, holding my mouth like I'm gonna, you know, puke or whatever, and said, so "Does anybody else get motion sickness off of using their Oculus?" And man, just post after post. Oh yeah, yeah, I get nauseous. Oh yeah, it happens, it happens, it happens. So my my, my question is, are we moving? It's called there?
0: VIMS. It's called visually induced mo- VIM, visually induced motion sickness. Well,
1: look at it. It's got a term I didn't even know that. So that's something that I have to contend with in order to be a part of this metaverse. Is that something that we're just gonna have to adapt to? And do you see this is where the future is? Is this something that we're really heading towards?
0: Okay, so I'm a bit of a heretic in the gaming and technology space because I have actually been involved in VR for a very long time. Okay. Do you remember uh, the Game Boy Virtual? Yes, yeah. So most of my <laughs> patents, I have two engineering degrees. Awesome. Um, I'm a big old nerd. Most of my patents were involved in display technology. We were competing for the display for the, the Game Boy Virtual. And we didn't did win I the contract. Say that your
1: creation, did you create that?
0: No, I didn't create okay, it. We were competing for it. We okay. were competing okay. for okay. it. Okay, good. And what Nintendo learned was really interesting, and it still remains true today, is that um, in its current implementation, VR is isolating because we're putting a mask on your face, we're putting the earphones, and now you're cut off from everybody around you. Right. And when Nintendo did the 3DS, their push into 3D is to make it social. So you can immediately share the people around you. What we're trying to hit and we're moving toward is, can I put you in the game? And a friend of mine worked on an amazing prototype that could be the future. I just don't know if we're ever gonna get there because two radically different competitive companies own the technology and they don't wanna play together. Take a depth camera and an Oculus. So now you walk into the game and as soon as we can render your body in real time, it grounds you in the world and your VIM starts to drop away. So when you can walk into the world, which is what we all really wanna do and see yourself in the world, that's when I think we're gonna start breaking through what we're seeing now. But look, when a technology really is breakthrough and there's demand for it. Think of the first iPhone. We yeah. have yeah, one of those. It's the size of a candy bar. The battery lasted like half an hour and people were lined up around the blocks and they poured it out of our hands. They've been pushing Oculus. Like there's no shortage of VR hardware. You can find this stuff anywhere. And I, I, I speak to high school kids, whatever. I'm like, put your hands in there if you've got a VR headset. I see a few more hands go up today. So there's still a barrier to adoption. We see the potential, but we're like, you said the VIMS, you know? hey, I could play WoW for eight hours. And I did, more than once. Only eight hours? You probably felt like, only eight. Like, (laughs) in one sitting. I'm talking like, you know, it's like, there's a problem. You're like, I got to move. You know, 45 minutes in a VR headset's a long, long time. Yeah, it is. And so... There's a potential there. And I think what we're going to start seeing is there's this uh, uh, Nicole Bradford is awesome. Uh, She's an expert in a, a lot like the transformative technology. And what, you know, who's leading the charge in the metaverse right now? Budweiser. You wouldn't think about it. Basically, Microsoft is the only company today that at an enterprise scale is making this technology available to traditional brick and mortar businesses. Budweiser completely virtualized a factory and integrated augmented reality into the factory. So they use blockchain from the moment they pick every plant that goes into a beer so they can trace it from the field all the way through the production line, every single bottle, and so you can walk into their factory and they literally have simulations running that use real sensors in the factory to feed back to the simulations. And you can pop on glasses and you can see the entire virtual assembly line running in real time to optimize what's I, happening.
1: That is So amazing. They, have,
0: they have created real time simulation real estate with NFT blockchain uniqueness throughout their entire factory. That's running live today to make beer. What else is going to be possible as we start to reinvent and reimagine what it means to have containers of value, how we're going to interact with each other. And we still haven't solved the problem of realistically, like everybody loves ready player one, but what, what they loved was the dream of I'm in the game and I feel like I'm in the game and I'm in control of the game and we're not there yet. And VR is a window into that world. And that's why it's so compelling, but that's the line we have to cross is where we're in the world itself. But the last time there was this much high-tech development activity, uh, it birthed the internet. So something big is coming. And it's really about how quickly we can move between all the layers. Like you're gonna have a podcast, that's gonna be hosted out of the metaverse. Yeah. We're so, you know, today's kids now live 70% of their lives online. It's almost as if their online reputation is more real than their in-person reputation. I, a kid I couldn't hire. I had an intern, we would not hire him. Didn't have a driver's license. Didn't, I was like, do you exist in the real world? I mean, yeah. physically he was a real human being, but it was like, we couldn't hire him because he hadn't done any of the things to get a real job in the real world. Everything he was doing was through school or virtual yeah. or being like amazing talent. But you're like, hey, you got a like physical component you have to take care of too, bud. And that's what's coming at us. And so simply the the days of, I don't want to hear about it, man. I, I don't know how well that's going to turn out for them. My gut tells me not well in the long run, is that entrepreneurs are used about creativity, seeing the future, making the future, anticipating curves. You know, why did the NBA invest so heavily in esports, competitive video gaming? Because they know the next big trend comes out of today's out group. In the nineties, that was hip hop. Look at look at it today. Look at all the billionaires, all the yeah. culture, all everything. That's gamers today. Well, who would have ever they thought know that it. you
1: would have stadiums that sell out for video game championships? People go to stadiums to watch video game championships, like League of Legends or whatever. I, I know they just had their finals not too long ago. People came in droves to watch video games, tens of thousands of people at a time.
0: Who would have ever imagined that? let me blow the minds of your listeners that are not gamers yeah the highest rated hockey game of all time was the 2019 um game seven stanley cup finals with 10.9 million unique viewers 44 million unique viewers watched the overwatch world championships four times as many people watched a video game championship as the highest rated hockey game all t- of all time and I think it was the 2020, and it, they might have broken again this year, but the the championship, the big game, yeah. um, drew twice as many viewers as the Final Four and the Super Bowl combined.
1: Yeah, it's insane, and people laugh, and they scoff at that, and I think that's a massive, massive mistake. How are you going to scoff at those numbers? The data is there. The data reflects the fact that this is, whether our 50-year-old asses want to admit it or not, this is <laughs> what it's all about, man this is how gen z as you mentioned it are communicating this is how they're existing this is how they're developing this is what they're embracing and whether we like it or not it's coming and we can either be a part of it or we can get run over by it
0: well look at the what's happened is now that we've gone virtual you're seeing it in the explosion in housing prices yeah this sort of diaspora out of california where all of a sudden people are like i can live wherever i want it transformed my company my staff One of my employees said, can I move to Minneapolis? And I'm like, I don't know where you are now. (laughs) You know, I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. I'm in Tempe, Arizona. And, you know, now I can hire the best talent anywhere in the country. It's transformed my business. So once, you know, the potential, the people that embrace it and get it, you know what's going to happen. They're going to accelerate. They're going to gain the momentum. And the people that, the laggards, well, we know what happens to laggards. The story is always the same. And it always turns out the same. So really it's about how much of this are you ready to start adopting? Cause it's, I want to help. That's why I'm here. I'm like, Hey, this is what I'm seeing. This is what's going on. Um, I'm an entrepreneur that also runs a business that has been involved in video games for more than 20 years. And this technology is really, it's maturing fast. And that's really about getting, you know, my passion is about getting it ready and getting, like, I tell my team, we have to host an event. Your mom could get into. And they roll their eyes and I'm like, no, really. Your mom has to be able to play this. It's got to be that accessible. Um, zero friction gaming is the way I look at it because you game and you probably blow through technical hurdles right now without even thinking about it that would stop your mom cold. Oh, yeah. She's like, what? You yeah. know, that so it's this big and it's hard to get into. Wait to see what happens when it goes to zero friction. Well, it's when you can just too, step right? into it and there's no barrier.
1: Exactly. It's interesting because, you know, I mentioned the, the Oculus and I kind of want my, I don't kind of, I really want my wife to experience it. But she's nowhere near as technically engaged. She has, She's not even on social media. She has zero social media accounts. Not even nothing. She has nothing. So from a technical perspective, if it doesn't have a TV remote attached to it, she's not involved, and she doesn't know anything about it. <laughs> so even setting up the Oculus and just taking her through the initial setup, the introduction, uh, little, the little 10, 12-minute program that you run through, I feel like it's, and this isn't an insult to, an, to her intelligence, it's a, 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 an observation of her detachment from technology, but I feel like it's, the the friction is too great to get her yes. from putting on the headset and grabbing those hand controllers and actually going through that process.
0: Well, that was the story from the Wii. Shigeru Miyamoto said it was the only console he'd ever worked on where his wife walked over and picked up the controller and said, oh, I get it. They sold 200 million of those. Yeah. So, you know, solving that problem is, to me, it's imperative. I mean, clearly we've got a $200 billion year game industry, so not a lot of people are sweating it, but- there's a lot more market available uh, for the game industry if they can start making games even more accessible to people. And we've seen it on phones, but I'm talking not the trivial time wasters. Like for your audience that don't know, we split the industry into three segments, core gamers, uh, mid core gamers and casual gamers. I've never met a mid core gamer. There's like people that game a lot and then people that have a phone and game on their phone. Yeah. and. If you're a casual gamer, you think like Tetris, things like that, Candy Crush, uh, Words with Friends, I don't know what the new hotness is, that's not my game space, but they're literally engineered to waste your time. That's what they're there for. They want to waste your time, keep you occupied and you move on. And when you're into a core game, it's a radically different experience because now we're activating all the buttons of intrinsic motivation. Like one of the things I try to tell people, imagine people would pay you to work at your business they look at me like i'm crazy i'm like that's the video game industry because games are like work oh yeah you're investing time and energy and you're sweating details and you're going after it and they're so well engineered that like one of the things has to do with autonomy so imagine this in the game smash brothers there are like 78 characters but there's six styles of character you can win with any of those six styles hmm Imagine that at your business, there's at least six ways of doing something. They're all valid, they all work, they're all supported. Pick the one that works for you, have at it. No business is like that. Like we struggle to have two ways of doing something. The whole (laughs) mantra in business is one process, the best practice, on and on. It's narrowing, narrowing, narrowing. And the video game industry is recognized that if you can give people autonomy and make them feel empowered and then keep them right at the Goldilocks between challenge, and uncertainty, they won't pay you to work. Yeah, And I'm like, I still haven't figured out how to unlock that at my company, but that's where gaming is. And that they're applying the psychology of second-person storytelling to create compelling experiences that people want to engage with. There's one other thing I want to point out about play that's really powerful and it made me think of this. Larry, if we were doing a class and I was sitting down and I was trying to teach you something, All the research says, you will adjust your behavior to meet my expectations, whether you know it or not, right? We all do it. We've all been in class. We all learned it in school. Everybody's been indoctrinated into that. But when you play a game, you can't play and carry on a persona. So what happens is your most authentic self shows up in the game. And that's one of the reasons I love using video games, especially cooperative ones, to get teams to work together because the real person shows up. And they actually start interacting and you can see things in like a five-minute sprint that you might not see all year and how people talk to each other how they ask for help what it looks like when they struggle um you know when it they how do they resolve disagreements how do they come to common consensus like there's so many things i call it a batting cage for team skills yeah and i could throw you in a cooperative game and all of a sudden you're like what and then know the reason it's a workshop is that we play a game for like five minutes then what we'll do is we'll talk about it and then i'll give you the tools that have been proven to be most effective in helping people get along and work together and then we'll go back in the game and practice them and shockingly just like a batting cage when you practice them you get better at them technique matters and most of the the really effective team skills are invisible to people you can't even tell when somebody's doing them to you or for you and So really pulling that out and making it clear, and giving people the opportunity in a hands-on way to work through it, I'm just really passionate about it. Cause it's when you give somebody a really great technique, you probably do this when you set people up on a podcast, like how much time do you save them, Right, Right? right? How much more efficient and effective they are because you're like, look, let me give you the right techniques to do this the right way to be set up for success. And we, I don't know why I assumed it, that the people that would come work for me knew anything about being on a team, knew anything about team communications, knew anything about conflict resolution I'm 55. And I'm still learning that stuff. Right. Right. So I have to coach my people on it. And one of the best ways to do it is put them in a, like the one of the, the strange things, the thing that your boss hated, how frivolous it is, is the superpower of playing games. Who can take it seriously? It's a game. Yeah. Relax. And in that space, it's safe to fail therefore we can learn
1: yeah and, and it's it's funny that you're, you're making that point because and I, I mentioned it before that my wife played wow for a while as well and uh, you know we i learned how not to communicate with her in the game <laughs> because that's valuable it's huge and we were still fairly new in our marriage we're married 20 years now so we'll take we'll dial it back i don't know 15 years or so you know this was this was uh it was vanilla WoW, so it was, it was the Zulgurub days, for those of you that have played the game. So we were in ZG, and she played a warlock. and oh, she, yeah. All she needed to do on the panther boss, and we're getting real nerdy here, folks, so just hang on for the ride. We're, <laughs> we're, we're going to wrap this in a second. But all she had to do was stand here while all these panthers came at us and cast one spell. Now, this spell does her damage while she's casting it as well, so she's got to rely on healers to heal her so she doesn't die. And I'm like, just cast the spell. They'll heal you. But she wouldn't stand still. She would kept running from the Panthers. She kept moving around, and she kept casting other spells, and she kept wiping the entire raid, and it was 10 people back then.
0: And I
1: continued to yell at her, and we were on headsets, so everybody's hearing me yell at her. I'm I'm just, just (laughs) effing stand there and cast a spell! And she took her headset off, she got up from the desk, walked off, and to this day, she's never played WoW again. And it's because... I had such piss poor in- communication skills and extreme disrespect to her in front of other people, even though it was virtual in a game. There's still real people on the other end of these headsets, so yes. I learned this very, very valuable lesson that she tends to bring up from time to time because they don't forget no many, how, how many years it is. They don't, they don't forget. So, but I learned, you know, that was a huge lesson, and I've apologized and i begged her to come back, and she never ever took the mantle of her little warlock back up so uh lessons <laughs> life lessons can be learned in these games and it's amazing to see somebody like you at the forefront bringing this out for others to realize and helping others uh learn these types of valuable lessons using these methodologies
0: well thank you i have to say the best part of that story is you're still married that is uh, <laughs> 15 another 15 years congratulations yeah, that thanks. is uh, that's some good work Thanks. We've been, uh,
1: we've been together a total of, uh, going on 21 and we're about a month out from being together 21 years and married for just over 20. So
0: that is awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you.
1: Appreciate that. So, well, Scott, man, this has been an amazing conversation. Let's wrap it up by telling people where they can find out more about you, how they can reach out to you and connect with you and learn more about how they can use video games in their own lives.
0: Oh, well, thank you. I'm most active on LinkedIn. Um, so it's easy to look me up, Scott Novis. And if you want to know more about um, what we do, I invite you to come to one of our fun in ours. So we do a live demo, um, usually once a week for people to come in and check out what we do and how we do it. And you can find out more about that at scottnovus.com play. So P-L-A-Y, scottnovus.com slash play. And if you get to my website, um, you'll find all the other ways to get a hold of me. But uh, check it out. Um, It's one of those things where uh, I know we can help. Um, We've helped from the National Guard to uh, professional development for teachers. Like a lot of organizations um, have really been reaching out going, help us. Um, And it's been awesome. It's actually really awesome to help. Uh, adults find joy again. Um, It's probably the most rewarding part of my job.
1: Very, very cool. Well, man, I can't thank you enough. I really appreciate your time and and everything that you brought to this conversation. So thank you once again.
0: Oh, it was an honor to be on the show. Thank you so much. And I just love your energy. I love your mission. I love what you're doing for business owners. It's a tough road being an entrepreneur and thank God you're out there helping them.
1: Thanks, man. Hey, everybody, thank you once again for listening to another awesome episode of You're the Boss, and remember that you are the boss. And I've got one question to ask, though, if you found some value in today's episode, and I know you did, subscribe to the show. That way I can bring you new and amazing content every Tuesday morning, 6 a.m. it drops. Now, we got to do that on Central Time because I'm in Texas, and so everything revolves around Texas time. But until then, take care, and thank you once again for listening.
0: You've just listened to You're the Boss with Larry Roberts. Join us for our next episode where we help you achieve your goals and live your absolute best life. Be sure to subscribe, connect, and share. Until next time, remember, you're the boss.